You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Isn't that what really the church is all about? It's a refuge. It's a fortress. It's a place where God provides for his uh, people. It's a place where God's people are immersed in the truth. That is the truth of the gospel. So think about it. He made the message of salvation clear and comprehensible uh, to them, these false teachers. But there was no lasting response to his uh, grace. It was one-sided love. Have you heard the truth about Christ? What have you done with it? From the moment you encounter Jesus, you have a choice between two paths, either towards Him or away from Him. He desires for you to follow Him and form an intimate relationship, but He won't force anyone into that. We get to choose either love or hate. In today's message, Pastor Mike will remind us of this spiritual freedom and ask us to examine our hearts to determine whether we're following Christ or serving ourselves. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2 as he continues his message, A Full Mind But Empty Heart. He goes on to declare, anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses, and then of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he has sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace? So the comparison there uh, that uh, he provides uh, for us in that uh, text of Scripture. So if one receives the truth and then rejects it, there is no promise of hope, only eternal judgment, because that individual has been guilty of trampling upon the blood of Jesus. You know, think about it. God has made us by design to enjoy him. We're empty apart from him. There is this place within the human heart for him by a design. So before Christ, there is this void. There is this emptiness. And if we don't give him that proper place within our hearts, the end result result will be eternal uh, separation from God. Eternal separation from his love, from his grace. But here's the problem. People have no thought for the future. 
For many, final retribution for sin is a ridiculous thing. They live for this life alone. Eat, drink, and be merry is their banner. It's the same philosophy of the Greek, Greek Epicureans who, who believed that the chief purpose of life was seeking fleshly uh, pleasures. Listen, I fear people are more concerned about eating and drinking than dying. So, this is some serious stuff. Death is inevitable. And after death, outside of Christ, all there is is endless misery and torture. This is something to take very uh, serious. Gang, millions of people know about Christ, the message of the cross, but have made no plans beyond the grave. Don't be like them. You know, it's amazing to me. We plan day in and day out for the few short years, relatively speaking, that we are here upon the earth. You know, we make plans for our career, our family, vacations, and I'm not suggesting that those things aren't, you know, important, but they're certainly not as important as making plans for eternity. You know, this reminds me of a story that's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel. It's one of those parables. It's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel in chapter uh, 12. And there we are introduced to this rich, unbelieving farmer. So Luke's Gospel in chapter 12, in verses 16 uh, through 21. So Luke 12, if you turn there with me, verses 16 through 21. Jesus spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? And so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my old barns and build new barns, greater barns. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? And so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So let me ask you this question. Are you wise in the eyes of men, but a fool in the eyes of God? Well, listen, if so, repent and turn to Christ before it's too late. Acknowledge your sinfulness. Claim his forgiveness. Listen, don't be satisfied with just a knowledge, a head knowledge about Jesus Christ. By faith, receive him into your heart and be assured of eternal life. Verses 21 and 22. For it would have been better for them, these false teachers, not to have known the way of righteousness. Notice which suggests that at one time they did know the way of righteousness. They did know the, the truth. They had heard the gospel. Uh, then having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now, D.L. Moody, the great American evangelist in the 1800s, used to tell the story of a mother who bore a severely handicapped child whom she loved very much. Caring for this child, especially as he grew, and it was extremely demanding. But after 14 years of unselfish living, she was heard to say, I have never considered anything I have done as a labor or a sacrifice. 
I've been faithful, and I love my child with my whole heart. But then she went on to declare, but there's this one thing that distresses me immensely, and it's breaking my heart. My child doesn't even know me. I am no different than anyone else. There is no response to my love. Now listen, what parent cannot understand the hurt of this broken-hearted mother? This is the story of one-sided love, which produces, of course, grief and distress. Well, anyway, that's exactly what's going on here within the church at this time when Peter was writing his epistles. You see, it was a matter of one-sided love as far as these false teachers were concerned. Listen, with unending devotion, Jesus showered his love upon these unbelievers, these false teachers that were within the church. And yes, they were within the church. They were members of this congregation at one time, but they weren't true believers. Notice the way that Peter refers to this in verse 13 of chapter 2, when notice he says that they feast uh, with you. In other words, they had received all of what the believers had received, uh, all of the privileges the teaching of God's Word, the instruction of the Word of God. And, and, and isn't that what really the church is all about? It's a refuge. It's a fortress. It's a place where God provides for His uh, people. It's a place where God's people are Im immersed in the truth. That is the truth of the gospel. So think about it. He made the message of salvation clear and comprehensible uh, to them, these false teachers, but there was no lasting response to His uh, grace. It was one-sided love. Gang, I'm afraid the same is true of some in our day. We have heard the truth, we know the truth, but rather than allowing God's Word to impact us, change us, we reject it. And so Peter warns us against this very thing. Notice what he, uh, he says again. Let's go back to our text in verse 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Now, the Bible seems to suggest that there will be severe punishments meted out in eternity, even as there will be greater rewards meted out in eternity on the basis of the faithfulness in the ways that we've used the, uh, the resources, the opportunities that God has given to us to further His kingdom. Now, uh, as far as the judgments go, the more severe judgments, James in his epistle addresses this subject in chapter 3 and verse 1. And there he says, Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So the idea here is that those who have listened to the gospel repeatedly, but have carelessly rejected the truth, will suffer punishment of the worst degree. Now listen, hell is terrible enough. Uh, in fact, Jesus referring to hell in Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, this is the way that he described it. And in this one chapter, he described it the same way three times. He says, where the worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Uh, Jesus also, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25, hell is like a... Uh, a place of outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of uh, teeth. So, it is a place of separation from God and His love. 
never another opportunity to receive Christ. In the book of Hebrews, in chapter 9, and verse 27, there we are told, it's appointed once unto a man to die, but after this, the judgment. There's no second opportunities. So no wonder Peter zeroes in on the seriousness of the sin of rejection. Now, let me put another spin on this topic by asking you a couple of questions. Are we rejecting Christ, his truth, without even realizing it? Now, you're probably thinking, well, what do I mean by that? Someone says, I've never openly uh, denied the Lord. Yeah, well, that may be uh, true, but have you ever openly proclaimed the Lord? Does anyone even know within your uh, sphere of influence and circle of friends that you are even a, a Christian? I mean, how many unsaved individuals are busy engaged in the mundane affairs of life, that is making a living, uh, chasing things that uh, bring excitement, giving no thought to the Savior who loves them? Listen, don't be guilty of the sin of rejection in any form whatsoever. Remember, after this life, there is no second chance. God at this moment bids you to come and believe on his blessed son that you might enjoy abundant life in this world and eternal life in the world to uh, come. You know, there's this story, uh, and I want to uh, relay it to you. And uh, it took place actually uh, many years ago on a stormy uh, week in New York uh, City. And uh, it goes like this. One, on one particular day, uh, the rain roared down on East 42nd Street in a frightening fury, accompanied by the high sobbing of driving winds. The street was almost deserted, save for a lonely figure staggering along on his way to Grand Central Station. The cause of his staggering was not due alone to the anger of the elements, but also to the two large suitcases which he practically dragged. Every few minutes, there was a sign that he would like to prop himself against the wall for a breather. But the rage of the rain and the wildness of the wind caused him to carry on. Only a half a block now remained, but it appeared almost too much. He was ready to collapse. But suddenly, as out from nowhere, another figure appeared by his side. A cheery voice called out, and before he knew it, the suitcases were taken from him in welcome, but strange assistance. We're both going the same way, the stranger said in a booming voice that was somehow familiar. I might as well help. You look as if you could use some. The traveler nodded in sheer relief. For the remainder of their journey, he kept glancing at his unknown friend's face. There was something vaguely familiar about it. Somewhere he had seen it, and the voice, too, something about it. When they were within the safe shelter of the terminal, he turned and asked the question which had preyed upon his mind. Please, sir, what is your name? There is something about you. And to his dying day, Booker T. Washington never forgot the thrill of the reply. The name, my friend, is Roosevelt. Teddy uh, Roosevelt. Interesting story. It's a true story. Well, a famous hand of help in a time of need. How welcome, how appreciated. But what of a more famous help of the Lord Jesus Christ and Calvary for every sinner who's trapped by the storm of sin? 
Listen, have you welcomed him into your life? For our sake he left heaven to dwell amidst the storms of the satanically disrupted sphere that we live in called the world. You know, the 86th Psalm in verse 5 tells us, God is ready to forgive plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon him. Another cross-reference from the 34th Psalm in verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Now, someone at this point may be thinking, I can understand why those who reject Christ must be judged and ultimately cast into a hell. But what about the poor souls who have never heard the gospel? And why then are they held accountable? It's not fair. Well, first of all, let me say that they are going to be judged on the basis of another law. In the book of Romans chapter 2, Paul addresses this uh, subject, and there he tells us that they will be judged on the basis of the law that has been innately written upon their uh, hearts, and their conscience will bear uh, witness to that. But listen, salvation, if salvation was based upon fairness, we would all be cast into hell immediately because we're all guilty of breaking the law. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. All have sinned and come in short of the glory of God. So not only are we sinful by nature, I mean, think about it. The first son born of a woman whose name was Cain murdered uh, his brother uh, Abel. We are rebellious towards the goodness and mercy of God. I'm thankful that his judgment is not based on fairness, but rather upon uh, grace. The 145th Psalm in verse 8 tells us there, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He's slow to anger and great in mercy. And through his mercy, he forgives all our sins on the grounds of Christ's sacrifice upon the cross, dying in our place, becoming sin for us who knew no sin. Now, all of this is true, but we should not overlook this fact that at present, countless numbers of people still haven't heard the gospel. And if they die in that state, they'll be eternally lost. Now listen, this was never God's plan or purpose, and it's his desire that all men should be saved. In fact, and we'll get into this uh, as we move into chapter 3 of Second Peter, but in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, there we are told, the Lord is not willing that any should perish in their sins, but that all men and women should come to repentance. So listen, God did his part by providing a way to be saved for all who will believe. But what about us? Are we doing our part? Are we doing our best to reach the lost? Remember, God commanded us to go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Mark's gospel in chapter 16 and verse 15. So are we really serious about this responsibility? I mean, millions of souls are hastening on to a Christless eternity. Are we rejecting Christ? This is just one of the ways that we can actually be guilty of rejecting Christ, not sharing the gospel with people. Are we living for self and have failed to sacrifice? So here's the question. What's the chief uh, cause of this kind of failure? And I think it is just simply a lack 
of love on our part for uh, Jesus. And isn't that strange? Isn't that wrong? I mean, daily we've received showers of blessings from the hand of God, but never coming to the joy of giving out for the Lord? That's wrong. We need to fall before Jesus and ask him to give us this concern for the lost. We need to ask God to give us his heart. You know, there's also another story that I'd like to relate to you. It's a story about uh, the French artist, the fellow whose name was Gustave uh, Dura. And, uh, and Gustave uh, Dura, the great French artist, had nearly completed one of his famous paintings of the face of Jesus. And as he was in the act of putting on the delicate finishing touches, a lady stepped into his studio quietly and stood for a moment, admiring the wonderful production of Doré's genius. Suddenly he became aware of a presence. Pardon, madame, he did not know, I did not know you were here, he said with his usual politeness. She smiled and said with touching earnestness, Monsieur Doré, you may love him very much to be able to paint him so. Love him, madame, he replied. I think I do love him, but if I loved him more, I would paint him uh, better. So, there's the secret. If we loved him more, Jesus, we would serve him more completely. We would not live for self. We would readily respond to the need of the hour that is to take the gospel to those who have never yet had a chance to hear it. Then finally, as we close out this evening's message, let's go back to that final verse. Notice there in verse 22, the concluding verse of chapter 2. Peter, by means of an analogy, informs us why they had forsaken the truth. Let's read that once more time. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow a pig, having washed to her wallowing in the uh, mire. In other words, what Peter is trying to suggest here is that they can't act any other way. They're just true to their uh, nature. There is an absence of an inward spiritual regeneration. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Any person who has had a genuine conversion experience, if any man or woman be in Christ, he's become a new creature. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So obviously there was an absent, this was an absent uh, in the nature of these false teachers. So anyway, uh, a lot of lessons to learn, a lot of warnings to heed. Let's close out our service. Join me together in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, for this message. Father, we pray that we would just uh, do whatever we can possibly do. Put ourselves in that place. Lord, learn it of you so that we might fall more deeply in love with you and serve you more completely. Oh God, uh, help us to be about uh, your business. Lord, uh, seeking the lost, sharing with the lost, furthering your kingdom upon the earth while we have uh, the opportunities. God, we thank you. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long we're so glad you joined us today for In My Father's House. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of 2 Peter, a New Testament letter that speaks much about holiness. As the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. 
In a world full of temptations, it can be difficult to live a holy, set-apart life, to live a holy life of only good and pure things. But if you've put your hope in the holy things, the worldly things become meaningless and empty. Where are you seeking true purpose? Is it in the world or in the Word? The world is sure to let you down, but God's Word is sure. We'd love to connect and pray with you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. Call us at 212-247-1877. Again, that's 212-247-1877. If you're unsure what knowing Jesus means, visit harvestnyc.org and look under Resources for How to Know God. You can also find more messages from Pastor Mike on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Search for In My Father's House with Mike Fenizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find service times on our website. Well, that's it for today, but be sure to join us again right here on In My Father's House. Not be troubled.